0: Disobedience. Civil disobedience is a political method of resistance which consists in a collective action of disobedience to a law considered unjust. To be civil, as US intellectual Henry David Thoreau in the 19th century called his first actions of resistance to the war against Mexico, one must be willing to break the law in the name of conscience. To Thoreau, This would never be an act of delinquency done secretly for individual interests, but must be perpetrated openly. In the 20th century, the Indian activist and leading figure of civil disobedience, Gandhi, added a crucial dimension, an exclusive stance of nonviolence which entailed the will, the result being always beyond will, to harm the adversary. His or her human person and psychology, as well as his or her family and goods, as little as possible. He rejected the old, ends justify the means view. To Gandhi, the ends were in the means. It was not possible to achieve just goals with unjust means. He considered non-violent means the only way to convince the public that his ends were just and that the struggle should therefore be supported. Quite near to civil disobedience are the concepts of direct action and conscientious objection, also called non-cooperation, a possible first step towards civil disobedience and the collective organization of one's refusal. The French La in the 16th century expressed the idea that in order to keep oppressing the people, tyrants need their cooperation. The tyrant never has enough police to force every single subject to constantly obey orders. In other words, the tyrant needs our cowardly acceptance and daily obedience to maintain power. Stopping to cooperate with what offends our consciousness is therefore a moral obligation and the principle of coherence. Direct action is the twofold idea that we should act directly when offended, without waiting for others, such as elected people, to act in our name. The concept holds that we should act directly on problems and their origin. Nonviolent direct action is a version of this political strategy. It strictly prohibits the use of violence and therefore greatly resembles the concept of civil disobedience but without the necessity to break any law. When one disobeys an unjust law this is indeed a nonviolent direct action. Building dry toilets in one's home as a form of resistance to water contamination is also a nonviolent direct action, although perfectly legal. In the past, civil disobedience proved to be a powerful tool to fight for equal rights women's, gay and lesbians, and blacks' emancipation, labor rights, independence such as India and Zambia, peace such as opposition to nuclear bomb testing to the Vietnam War, and political liberation the fall of numerous Western, Eastern, and recently Arabic dictatorships. Civil disobedience shares a lot with the degrowth idea and movement. Thanks to a growing awareness, an increasing number of struggles involving civil disobedience and nonviolent direct actions have been influenced by, if not conducted in the name of, degrowth related values, visions or claims. These have included actions to stop mining projects, to introduce radical changes in energy and water policies, anti privatization of water movements in Italy, France, Greece, to oppose major infrastructural projects of airports, highways, and fast train railways, Spain, Italy, France, etc. As it is sometimes necessary to disobey to live according to degrowth principles, Some struggles involving civil disobedience have been directly initiated by degrowth activists. For example, in France in 2011, squatter camps were installed in several cities and successfully opposed a law targeting free housing, tents, caravans, squats, and the right to self-build one's home. The mass mobilization against the introduction of genetically modified crops in France by the end of the 1990, which saw hundreds of people taking part in the uprooting of GM fields, was largely motivated by degrowth, and the same in Spain and Belgium, as was the battle for the right to grow and trade traditional seeds, following an international campaign of civil disobedience called Act for Seeds, initiated by Indian activist Bandana Shiva. Civil disobedience has been used against advertising, with activists provoking trials by painting billboards, or new intrusive technologies, neo mobilizations such as those against nanotechnologies in the UK and France. In the emblematic case of Catalan degrowth activist Enric Durán, acts of financial civil disobedience were directly aimed at sponsoring degrowth. Duran openly expropriated, in his own words, 492,000 euros from 39 banks, drawing attention to the unsustainable Spanish credit and banking system, just before the crisis imploded in 2008. Duran, who used the money to fund alternative movements and projects, including many related to degrowth, declared that he had no intention to repay the debt and was prepared to face the consequences and go to jail. These political struggles remind degrowth activists that fighting the law through civil disobedience might be necessary. They will not save themselves by changing their way of life while the world around them is collapsing, and they will not defeat capitalism and productivism only by the virtue of their example, as the utopian socialists of the 19th century or the hippies of the 1970s thought they could do. On the other hand, civil disobedience and non-violent direct actions are primarily methods and tactics and are sometimes chosen by activists who have nothing to do with environmental and progressive values, such as anti abortion activists. Nonetheless, tactics are non-neutral and can't be successful if not supported by strong values. These values are often very close to those of decode supporters. First, the value of direct action, including the rule of direct democracy, often refers to consensus-based, decision-making processes and leaderless movements. Second, the value of a pragmatic approach relates to keeping an open mind to differences and the choice of realistic and reachable objectives, with trial- and errors-based processes as opposed to dogmatic postures and too-abstract and unrealistic objectives. Third. Because activists know they can be wrong just like anybody and they know they can be misled by their conscience, they choose not to cause damages that would be irreversible, as damages provoked by the use of violence are, by practicing non-violence against humans. This non-violence includes increasingly life and goods in general. It is the search for coherence between values and actions which has driven some of the main figures in the history of civil disobedience to live according to principles strongly resembling those of degrowth. Thoreau practiced and advocated self-sustainability. Tolstoy and Gandhi distributed their goods and embraced sobriety. The three of them shared a strong concern for the environment and all living creatures. Gandhi, also insisted on the need for campaigns of civil disobedience driven by a pragmatic, alternative, constructive program. Obstructive programs of civil disobedience get more momentum and strength if stimulated by a constructive program and positive alternatives to oppression that show what the victory could lead to. Many civil disobedience activists consider Dico to be a constructive program of that sort a possible response to what they're struggling against, which is often capitalism. Degrowth-related solutions were articulated with civil disobedience in most of the recent campaigns mentioned previously, with encampments involving collective kitchens based on vegan, organic or recycled free food, alternative monies or bartering, dry toilets and solar-powered low-technology showers, etc., These acts of disobedience prove that it is possible to create strong resistance and build up degrowth compatible alternatives both at the same time.